Show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you again for joining us tonight. It is a wonderful Thursday. Matt and I are very excited to be doing our sixth podcast, I'm pretty sure. We have a super fun special guest that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But just want to give you guys kind of a brief rundown on what we're going to be talking about tonight. So we're going to be talking about growing the sport, getting outside sponsorships for disc golf events, and our special guest being Steve Dodge, who in the disc golf world has pretty much been anywhere and everywhere when it comes to growing the sport, getting outside sponsors into big events, and pretty much all the above at that point. So Matt, how was your week? It was excellent. Um totally lucky to live next to maple hill i got out there they're doing their um flex start leagues now mm -hmm. massachusetts is doing pretty well as far as covid's concerned and yeah. i played one of my better rounds as of late i was telling you about it earlier and mm -hmm. man i should have shot nine down and i know that's a true disc golfer like phrase, should yeah. have but like man i should have shot one of my best rounds. i shot a good round mm -hmm. so anyways i got to do that with my son out there really cool things going on out there at maple hill and um so Two weeks in a row, you got out with Simon and you played some golf. Yep. What happened special this week? I think I saw a few social posts. Hmm. Oh, so I checked out a new course in Franklin, the Mass this week called Daisy Fields Disc Golf. I was playing with my buddies Shane and Kyle, two of the highest rated players in Mass at the moment. I think top, definitely top five. Um, on hole 11, it's just like 260 to 280 foot blind hyzer. And I put my Paul Macbeth Malta right in the basket, right in the heart of the chains. So Man. it's a blind shot. I don't know if it was a skip base. That's what they were saying it probably was. Um, so that was pretty cool. It was enjoyable. And uh, yeah, I got to check out a new course off the list. Man, a blind ace. You told me uh, earlier you've had three blind ace. I was there for one of them. Yep. And it was actually with the chains kind of pinned up like to the top like of the basket. So um, yeah, good ace, Nick. Yeah. How many, how many does that make for you now? No idea. I stopped counting <laughs> after like five. I'm pretty sure I have a ton of funzy aces. I have, I'll count two big aces were during leagues. And so my first ace ever, I got 300, like 40 bucks for it at pyramids. And then my second ace was during a singles league at Newton Hill on hole eight. I got like a $520 ace pot. So that one was, that was pretty sweet. I'm $800 in the bonus on my aces. Wow. So I kind of missed it. Did you, you already hit the topics. We're going to talk about growing the sport mm -hmm. and what we have to give up to do that. Cause yeah. I think there's growing pains. Sensitive subject guys, be ready. <laughs> yeah. Also, we're going to talk about getting outside sponsorships. You already said this, but just as a reminder, yep. and we're talking like a list sponsorships. Okay. And then did you say who the guest was? I did. Steven Dodge. All right. So before I think we... Steven, it might just be Steve. <laughs> well, I don't know. I well... think that's a question we got. <laughs> so we will be talking to him and just literally count down here, guys, probably less than 90 seconds. I'd like to thank everybody who's been joining us. Our follower numbers are increasing. Our likes, our comments are the big thing to us. And we've been engaging with you we really try to respond to everybody even if you're making fun of matt for talking too much i know that he does that a lot doesn't he guys i want to give a quick shout out to actually one of our followers who's been on every single week and he asked a question in this jeff wychowski i probably butchered that last name but you asked when are you going to bring simon to new york i have played heiser creek up in new york when i was actually living in scroon lake i loved that course i really want to get back there and so hopefully simon and i in case you maybe, you know, depending if we're all free, maybe go do a vlog up there. 
that'd be a pretty sweet time. Cool. So those of you who are listening to our podcast post Thursday evening, you can always check it out live if you want to be a part of the action. Get to sit here with our guests as well get as a shout us. out. Get a shout out possibly. Um, so just a reminder. If you are watching us on YouTube or Facebook or you're listening on iTunes, if you haven't subscribed yet, would you just do that? In fact, we're probably going to do a giveaway here soon, Nick, and we're going to do it for subscribers. So if you haven't... We're we're pretty close to 500 now, right? If I look today, we're a little over 400 on YouTube at the moment. So guys, please take a quick second, like and subscribe. We love doing this. We're hoping you guys are enjoying it as well. And uh, we'll keep plugging away at it. All right. We're six minutes into the show, and we are going to go ahead at this point and welcome on our guest host tonight. His name is Mr. Dodge. And we're going to ask him, is your name Steven or Steve? Uh, my name is Steven. All right. And so- uh, it's spelled with a V because my grandmother didn't win that battle. <laughs> wow. Okay. Nice. So it's actually Steve Venn with a V and people call you Steve. Okay. Awesome. Well, welcome, Steve. Matt, How's Matt's, it going? Matt spelled the Steven wrong in the show notes. So I'm glad we <laughs> clarified that. I'll have to speak with him privately. I have in the show notes, is it Steven with a PH or Steve? I didn't say, is it Steven with a V? Anyways. All right. So. How's so it going? One thing I want to say, yeah, I, I just heard your intro and I, I appreciate the intro. And when you're at 400, 500 subscribers and you get one more, it really, really matters. Like you guys notice every single new subscriber. So I just want to tell people, if you're going to subscribe, you should do it now when Matt and Nick care <laughs> about right. every single subscriber. When they hit 80,000 subscribers, People are just joining because everybody else is in. <laughs> this is the time to subscribe. We really I think care. there's even a little bell button, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we can do that. We haven't done it yet. We'll create a bell. That would be pretty cool, actually. So Okay. So, so anyway, uh, <laughs> so this is the time to subscribe to Matt and Nick and boost their numbers now. Encourage them to keep doing this. Tell your friends to subscribe and make this thing matter. Love it. Okay, Steve, enough about you. Let's talk more about me. How are you doing? Oh, wait. No, that's not how that joke goes. How are you doing? Uh, actually, I'm doing fantastic. Um, the last the last six months has been a whirlwind of activity, uh, getting Birdie off the ground. It started shipping just a couple of days ago. That was very exciting. Um, Maple Hill, we implemented uh, some improved lost and found for the... Uh, for the returning disc where we text everybody now, we implemented a new tea time system. Gage has been killing it, and the course is looking fantastic. Oh, yeah. We're making a new layout at Maple Hill called the Diamonds Course, which is going to be played by the women at the uh, MVP Open this season. And I'm getting to spend a lot of time with my daughters this summer. Um, if you heard a piano playing during the intro that you guys had, that was uh, Rachel practicing piano. That's, that's funny. I was just playing the piano, actually, right before... We started getting everything ready for the show. I, you know, I love playing the piano. So Matt was like, "Oh, we'll have to do a section where it's Nick we're, playing the piano for the followers." And I was like, "Ah, we're definitely I'm not that comfortable." That. Patreon <laughs> level, Patreon level, like yeah. ten, you get to listen to Nick perform in yeah. concert. So I will play a lullaby for you. No, Nick is actually incredible on the piano. We will have him do it at some point. If, if a like or a follow for Nick to play the piano. <laughs> so. Um, so let's ask some uh, some quick hitting questions here. We actually do want to talk to you about Birdie, but let's just put that on the burner for a second. So what happened, and give us the short version if you want. People know you in large part for a few reasons, but let's go back a ways. Vibram, Vibram, 
disc golf. I'm wearing, if you recognize tonight, <laughs> uh, yes. yeah, it's actually our logo, which isn't up there right now, but it's on our show. If you go look at it, I, I'm wearing the Vibram shirt. Now our artists didn't incorporate Vibram, but that's the shirt I'm wearing. And I wear it almost every week. When this one wears out, do you have any more, Steve? <laughs> Not like that. I don't. Man. That's a very special shirt. It is. I should, I should, don't, yeah, don't, don't wear it out. Okay. So what happened to Vibram? You did that for a while and you don't have to give us all the history, but like, was it just time to be done? Vibram was done. Like, what's that all about? What happened to Vibram? So at the very first Vibram sales meeting, um, Vibram at the time, five fingers was taking off. Uh, Vibram soling is obviously huge. And, um, and I got to present at the Vibram sales meeting and you know how you do the pie chart and you split it up like this percentage is five fingers and this percentage is soling. And I didn't do a like a one pixel line to inter indicate disc golf on there. I, I put one pixel at the top of like I didn't even get a pixel width line. And, uh, and I was like, and I pointed to it and I was like, that's not burned out. That's that's disc golf sales <laughs> relative to these guys. Yeah. And um the uh, disc golf had a, I think it was a six or seven year run with, uh, with Vibram. Uh, they did a, in my opinion, they did a really good job creating a very good disc. Um, for example, it, 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 to this day, it's the only disc you could microwave for a minute and a half to get it back into shape and it would gain its stability back. Um, it was a really good product, um, but we never quite gained enough traction to uh, to encourage Vibram to give it the love that it needed. Um, and, uh, there, obviously there's a lot of, uh, a lot of decisions, internal business decisions that go into, uh, not giving something enough love, but, uh, they gave it, they gave it what they viewed was enough, enough, uh, enough financial support. Mm -hmm. Um, five fingers sort of took off on their own because of, because it was a unique product. Yep. The, the five fingers, the toe shoe. There were rumors and, uh, about that in one of our recent episodes. Someone said like, oh, then some like lawsuit came down because they aren't actually better for your feet and they got sued. And <laughs> I don't know, but that was an interesting product. And we actually brought that up when we talked to Hannah Macbeth because when she started into the sport and she's going to hate us again yeah, for bringing, for bringing this, up. this back up. Dark but times. She, she wore five fingers when she yep. started. So that was before she dated Paul. But yes, that's what she did. <laughs> so, uh, I will go ahead and say that I wore the, the 2008 Vibram Open. I wore five fingers the entire tournament, and I'd never worn them before. And uh, if you've ever gone barefoot for all, all day, <laughs> it is very hard on your feet. Yeah, because <laughs> you're you're using muscles that you don't normally use. Because modern shoes, they like pamper our feet a ton. Mm -hmm. And what five fingers do is they just protect the bottom and make you use your feet the way they're supposed to be used. And um, my feet were not used to that. And it was no. very painful that first weekend. But to this day, uh, I go barefoot quite often and I love it. And I believe my feet are stronger because of the vibrant five fingers. Awesome. I, 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 I'll say I just agree with that product. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, That's awesome. That was one of their products. I, I would see that, you know, in the Boston windows or wherever they were selling them with the discs and all that. You see five fingers. So mm -hmm. do you have any 420s left, Steve, that, you know, you'd be happy to send away as a giveaway? No. <laughs> 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 so obviously the unique naming, was that a, was that a, um, 
a marketing decision from Vibram or did you help contribute to the names of the discs? Uh, the, the, I was the final arbiter of the names of the discs. Wow. Nice. Cool. Good to know. Um, so uh, last question on Vibram. You probably don't know this, but is Vibram ever going to make a comeback in the disc golf world? We have people who would like to know. We've got people collecting, people interested that are here tonight on this show to hear. Will Vibram make a comeback? I I haven't heard any rumors about Vibram making a comeback. I mean, it's... Am I going to run for president? Uh, I mean, I haven't heard exactly. any it could happen. About we don't that. know yet. <laughs> Exclusive news. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So enough about Vibram. That's the past. So Maple Hill, can we call it your baby? Is that something you've kind of nurtured from beginning till now? Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, in in that babies have a lot of parents. Yes. Sure. Okay. It's it's my it's it's my it, I'm one of the parents of that baby. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you you obviously that was before Vibram. Then you worked with Vibram. Is that correct? The timeline. So, uh, 2003, I got married and left Fredericksburg, Virginia, and went up to Maple Hill. And um, wow, I followed the uh, followed the the blockhouse model mm-hmm. and uh, built a course on private land that where we could do whatever we wanted and made yep. it uh, sing, single use property. Um, and that was that was the goal. Took a trip around the country to check out a whole bunch of great ter- great tournaments. Uh, sorry, great courses. And then built Maple Hill with my cousin Tom, Dave Jackson, uh, Jason Southwick helped out a bit. Cam Todd ha- helped out a lot with the early design. Um, and yeah, my my goal was always to build the greatest disc golf course on the planet. And we're really close. Yeah, you're number <laughs> one on the U-Disc chart in the U.S. at the moment with only Yarva being the one better course throughout the whole world. So I don't know yeah. if the rumors are still going around Yarva. I don't know if it's closing still or what's going on with that. But potentially in the next year, you will be the number one <laughs> disc golf spot in the world. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that could be the case. And I think I've made it. I've told everybody on the staff that we are not in any way the best course in the world and we cannot rest on our laurels. Yeah. And I was. I was talking to a friend of mine recently and and she said you need to be the number one course on crack. Like it, it yep. needs to be no but no, no other course no competition to it. Yeah, you wouldn't one. think about another course when someone was saying, "Hey, what's the number one course in the world?" Boom, and suddenly you just think Maple Hill. And this is At kind that of point, I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah so this yep. is kind of I don't know. I I don't want to be that like show host who asks these types of questions, but how much do you think Maple Hill's success of being number one rated or number two at this point is built on the history of the course. How much do you think From the percentage? I, it, it was part of it was part of the the plan going into the beginning. Um, you can have the the best course in the world. Augusta would be a great ball golf course, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be viewed as potentially one of the best unless they had that history. Mm. And yeah, that that's just the way it is. And that was part of the plan going in at the very beginning was to make sure we had the best names in the world throwing the best shots that people remembered on that course. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's uh, thanks for telling me that. I mean, I was just thinking through it and I know that's a big part of it. You guys obviously had a great plan. It's come to fruition and people now have it as like in their top three bucket list courses every time. Uh, excellent job. So then you founded the disc golf pro tour. Can I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um I want to take I want to take a, a quick pause there. Yes. Because one of the one of the other goals uh and I know we're going to get into the concept of growing the sport and what we have to lose, 
But um, one thing that we have to gain, and there's lots, but uh, is people looking at a course like Maple Hill and saying, hey, you can actually make a profit building a disc golf course. Mm -hmm. And the better the course, the more the profit, the more people will come, the higher the prices they will pay. And what I would encourage, if you want to have one of the best courses in the world, try to get your course to host an event on the Pro Tour, even if it's a Silver Series event. Hire a tournament director and work towards making your course one of the courses that the best people in the world want to come and play, because that's how you get your name out there. Harmony Benz is a beautiful course, a great course. So few people know about it because it's not, it hasn't been exposed to us and it will be in maybe this year. And then in the future, as it grows and gets a, a premier event held there every year, and that course will become a course that will, will rival Maple Hill in greatness once it has that history. Yep. Simon so, actually just posted a vlog. Simon's never been there, and Simon's been in the sport for over 20 years. He's been playing in the USA the last 10 years, and just the other day was his first time ever going out there. And I haven't watched yeah. the full video of it yet, so I, I have no idea. I've heard of the course before, but don't know anything about it past just the name of it. Exactly. So, and, and that's, so I just want to, if you're thinking about building a course or you have a course and you want it to be viewed as one of the best, post a premier event on that course and get the best players in the world throwing shots and put them on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So that realistically, I mean, it's easier said than done, Steve. I mean, that's like, you you have to be Steve Dodge or somebody else who can run a great event. And that kind of brings me to this idea, like the disc golf pro tour, you invented that we don't need to spend forever on that, but that was really cool, obviously. And I'm interested in your take on it now because you grew something from fruit, like vision. I can remember back, let me just say this. I didn't get to this point in the introduction, but I, you were saying 2003, and that's just about when I started playing disc, well, maybe two years after that. And I remember walking in to Marshall Street and you were at the computer editing uh, Marshall Street uh, disc golf championship you were editing footage and you said hey do you want to check out the footage i've done because i was into video at the time and i checked it out and we talked for a little bit and that was my first recollection of you and then i can also remember playing a league at maple hill one of my first leagues ever and it was kind of rainy small group of people showed out seven or eight or something and you looked at me and you said are you any good and you were you were trying to figure out how to match me up, like which card should I go with and whatnot, because it was my first time. And I think I said, uh, I, I'd like to think I am. <laughs> but anyways, good, I can remember. Good answer. Yeah, but then I can remember the Vibram Open started and you started having play-in opportunities, like qualifying opportunities. Can I ask, was that kind of uh, the, the, like what you were planning to kind of go do the Disc Golf Pro Tour? It's kind of like, I'm going to start it here with Maple, and I'm going to have like qualifying events and spots to get in and and then take it large. Was that kind of like a prototype, if you will? Uh, the answer <laughs> to your question is yes. It, it was a prototype. I did not anticipate that I would be the person running the tour or creating the tour. Um, in, in 2003 or four or five, uh, I joined the PDGA board of directors and you can ask everybody on the board, but I was the entire time I was there, I was just pro focused. Mm-hmm. Um, the grassroots of the sport is growing. It will continue to grow. 
There's lots of people pushing the grassroots, all the local leagues and things like that. We didn't have, at the time, we didn't have a top-down approach to growth. You learn disc golf in school for three weeks, and then you're done. And they're like, I'm talking about middle school and high yeah. school. Like you, it's a it's a part of your gym class. Yeah. But it's not cool because there's no professional tour. So then you don't go play it anymore. Even if you know there's a course down the street, you're just like, okay, now I know what those baskets are. But I don't know about somebody named Paul Macbeth or yeah. someone named Ricky or someone named Simon or someone named Paige or someone named Sarah Hokum. We could go with that list. Yeah, you can go on and on at this point. Here. Interesting. Right. Top and, top down approach. Yeah, and I. I think that that's part of the reason we're seeing tremendous growth in the sport right now. People like Jomez putting out video, people like the pro tour making it cool to be a touring professional. Mm -hmm. There's that, that kind of like, that's the hook, if you will. People understand the game and they think it's fun, but give me a hook. Give me a reason to go do it again. And that was always my goal. I I'm very comfortable that people can do grassroots growth and that'll happen. But the top down was it didn't seem like anybody was focusing on that. So in 2005 or six or whatever it was, I joined the board and I wanted the NT to, to become something special. I wanted MPO and FPO only. I wanted a, a geographic circuit that made sense. I wanted higher payouts and I wanted media coverage. And I consistently got it voted down. Um, 2010, uh, Jay Redding and I chaired the national tour committee. We did the exact same thing and tried again. And uh, we all of the tournament directors agreed and all the NT committee people agreed and we put it to the board and it got voted down again. Mm -hmm. um, 2013, I tried one more time. And then in 2014, I proposed the idea of the Pro Tour. And then in 2015, I did it again and we went ahead and moved forward. Yeah. So you stuck with it all those years and it's pretty crazy you know, listening to that, because, you know, 2010, 11, 12, 13 is kind of when that's when I got into the sport was about 2012, 2013. And there was already that big showing of pros. Like I would come out to the Vibram Open and be able to see all the favorite players who I do get to watch on YouTube. But a lot of the players were putting out their own content. Like one of the things that I liked was back in the day, the McBeast Diaries, Paul and his brother, Jonathan, were going out and filming Paul's tournaments. And he was doing, you know, say B tiers, A tiers. Um, NTs, majors, and he was filming all of them. And so everyone was watching those. And that's how I got to know who Paul was as a competitor. And so I like the fact that you were top down the whole time because that kickstarted all these players nowadays actually being able to make a living right. in the sport, which, yeah. you know, shout out to you. And hopefully all these pros do appreciate that because it's incredible to hear. And in just a minute here, we're actually well, going to talk about how to make it so more than just the top 20 can make it on the road and i don't know what your model was but like there's a certain there's a certain cutoff where if you're not making it you're not probably making it um so right. did you have something you wanted to follow up on that yeah i just wanted to say the, the the goal of the pro tour from the very start uh has has been twofold number one and, and they they feed off of each other number one bring spectators to make, make disc golf a, a spectator sport and, and number two, make it so that touring pros can actually make a living. Yep. Uh, you can literally be a touring pro. You're not necessarily getting all your money from, from purses, but if you can make your name on the pro tour and then you put your name on a disc and then sell that disc and do some clinics, 
then you've got three income streams mm -hmm. and you actually can make a living staying on tour. Yeah. Um, one of one of the best days of my life in the last five or six years. Um, and I have no idea if this is actually true, but I one of the days that I remember being significantly positive, I'll word it that way, was when Sarah Holcomb uh, came up to me. I don't know if she gave me a hug or not, but she said, Steve, last year. I went out on tour all year. I worked my butt off and I finished the year with $2,000 less than I started. And this year I'm already up for the season and we're halfway through and things are looking great. And thank you very much because this is, this is how it, how it gets going. Yeah. As soon as somebody can make money doing something, somebody else will do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Paul, Paul Macbeth is the best in the world right now, but there's a bunch of 17 year olds going, Hey, <laughs> why can't I be, that I can throw somebody. a thousand feet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're going to go on tour and they're willing to live in their van for a season or two yeah. and see where it goes. Right. And I, anyway, just, that, that's all. So I want to say thank you to you for that. My vision with kids disc golf and people that watch this show know that I was uh, one of the co-founders there. Um, our vision was because of what you were doing. We said top down, we're inspired. You're inspiring the kids to see what the pros can do. And we said, we need to do top down in the sense of they learn, like you said, a gym program at school about disc golf but they have nowhere to take it. And so we wanted to provide competitions, which is where the U.S. championships coming in, as well as we, we try to sponsor and host as many local tournaments as we can for juniors to give them something to aspire to, to show off their talents to their peers and to work really hard. Um, and so I think you had the right perspective. You're the original founder. I'll always remember you as being that. And so it's got to be different. Uh, do you have any feelings about the Disc Golf Pro Tour starting off tomorrow? Is that really exciting, or what would you say about that? I'm giddy. Okay. Um, I've, kept, I've kept my Disc Golf Network subscription for the last four or five months. Nice. And uh, it it might have only been two or three months. I, I, who knows? Yeah, March. But uh, March. Mo, three, Mo and crew have done an amazing job creating content and create, keeping us mildly engaged. Mm -hmm. um, and... Jeff and Seth and I, I can't imagine the scramble that happened behind the scenes. Uh, I can't imagine it actually. But um, <laughs> the great thing is we didn't see any of the scramble on this side. When when I ran the pro tour, everybody saw all the scramble, um, and that that was that's just one of my. Th I'm just I'm as transparent as can be. But uh, Jeff and Seth have put together an amazing. They've saved the season. They got the DDO coming open coming up. They've got the what is the what's the, the next one called the preserve. The, um, preserve yep. Yeah, um, the preserve coming up, and then that that takes care of SFO and and Portland. Plus next year, what do you do with these two events? Maybe we're going to go up to twelve or thirteen events, and <laughs> yeah. we got some great Silver Series events. I'm very very excited for the future of the Pro Tour, and uh, I'm in a really good place because I get. My goal all along was, and I, this is, it's hilarious that I, uh, to say this with, with what we went through and have this actually be my goal. My goal all along was literally to sit on a beach with my tablet and watch live disc golf. That's like, not, not this year, not next year, but some year down the road. And I just want to sit there and watch live disc golf, sitting on a beach, just sipping my beer going, this is pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Um, and we did it. Yeah. 
I think that that's got to be a tremendous feeling. Excellent job. Congratulations on that. It's like you're not in the retirement of disc golf, but you've retired from that and you get to look at it in a positive light. That is awesome. Um, I kind of want to get this turned towards a next topic, but I want to give you a chance. Is there anything you wanted to say about birdie? the disc golf board game before we move into the topics. Is there anything you want to say people where they can go buy it? I know the Kickstarter is over, but like, where is it available? Right now it's available at bodabrothers.com. And tomorrow or the next day, we're going to be making a post about the 21 vent retailers who we ship to our retailers first, Mm -hmm. and they'll be getting it in the next day or two and hopefully getting it up on their websites. And uh, there's 21 retailers around the country. You'll be able to get it. Starting in July, other retailers will be able to get it. So um, I will go ahead and say that uh, we were testing some new ideas, some new things for Birdie yesterday, the day before. And uh, it was my brother and his daughter and myself. We all tied the round at 29. Um, Emily had two chances to win. She had just had to go up and down on the last hole. And um, she threw it to circle two. And she just needed to hit one no. circle two putt, but she was out of focus, out of chips. Oh, no. So she just the, rolled The die it. weren't going her way. She hit chains. Well, then she hit chains. So she had another chance to win it and then rolled and she had didn't go out. in. And then we all tied. And Todd had the most most chips left, and he ended up winning. But um, And we just sat back, and I was just like, that was so much fun. And um, it's yeah. All I can say it's, is it's a blast. It's Nick, I've, you've played it. Yeah, I've played it. And Steve was actually kind of our dungeon master when a bunch <laughs> of us played it. And it was incredible because the the way Steve had done it with all of us, I think it was uh, Paul, Hannah, Todd, Simon, and myself, Steve being the dungeon master. And so all the rules were explained through him. All we had to do was just roll the die. Steve moved the chips on the board. He took all the chips when we needed a focus one or a distance <laughs> one or whatever. It was perfect, and it was very, very smooth, and we had an absolute blast. And I think I think once again, Paul took it down, which is a very Paul thing to do. But uh, I remember it being somewhat of a close battle. So I also have a story. This is excellent. Steve Dodge came over my house the first time ever and played this board game in its very beginning stages with printed out sheets of board paper or whatever and like who knows what we were using dice on the ipad and iphones and we were really like prototyping it and my 10 year old now i think you have an age limit on there what's your recommendation uh well the the recommendation on the game is 14 plus yes so i just want to shout out if you have a smart 10 year old (laughs) they will love it as well um it was excellent my kid my kid i call my kid hunter has been really like dad when's that game coming when's it coming and i said hey you know coronavirus slowed everything down but i got the shipping notification it was a super blast fun of a game kudos to you anybody that's watching this out of our you know 500 people go buy the game (laughs) if you haven't um so let's do this let's go ahead and jump into topic number one it's time for topic number one okay so here we are topic number one we have made it everybody um what is it going to take to grow the sport it's obviously growing but what are the growing pains going to look like to take it to the next level so steve you talked a little bit about the history of your experience with disc golf can you just tell me maybe in, in a short, concise way, what is the biggest change you've seen from disc golf of 20 years ago to now? Like, 
it's obviously been, been tremendous, but what is the biggest change? <laughs> Think about that's it. A, that's a great question. That's a deep question. Um, uh, it has to be media. Okay. Yeah. And that, I mean, I could, I could just leave it right there and let that sit. Um, I remember 20 years ago um, when, when people would talk about, we've got great players, and they were talking about the three great players. They weren't talking about the 50 great players. We've got great players that should go on tour, and everybody in the world should see these people. And we're so close to a pro tour, or we're so close to a media contract, or or whatever it was. And the interesting thing is, now we actually are close. Um, the Disc Golf Pro Tour has the Disc Golf Network. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, here's a funny story. My mom literally texted me today and said, the dynamic discs open is tomorrow. And so, number one, she was aware. This is a 78-year-old woman who plays disc golf because her son loves it. Yeah. And that's that's her connection to the game. But she's watched for a couple of years, and she wants to see Sarah Holcomb play disc golf. Mm-hmm. She wants to see Paige Pierce play disc golf. She wants to know when and how can I watch. So her question to me, because we're Puritans and we're cheap, how can I watch the Pro Tour for free? (laughs) That's my mom's question to me. (laughs) Okay, we're actually going to take it there in just a second. Um, And I told her you can watch the final round for free on YouTube. Yep. But if you want to watch any of the first two rounds, you have to have a subscription to the Disc Golf Network. Man, we're going to get there. And I told her... I told her I would give her my name and my username and password. And I, I think you're allowed to have two streams. I don't know. That's the way I set it up. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they've changed. Um, so me and my mom will be watching potentially on my stream tomorrow. Yep. Okay. So I, in, in what, short, wait, what was your, yeah, yeah no, you, you answered it. Yeah. You, you answered it. You answered it just by saying the media in general and like people in the comments are saying, you know, the internet in general has been huge and you know it sucks to say this but during the whole coronavirus right now disc golf content has blown up like it really has and you said it perfectly the uh, disc golf pro tour has done a really good job of keeping people engaged jomez on instagram has been and facebook have been keeping people engaged and then jomez came out with the showmez show and the internet itself hold media, on what it what what is this show? We came this out is, with yeah, the Nick so and we Matt came show. Out, yeah, so we have the Nick and Matt show. Now, just podcasts in general. Everything. This is this is when Matt and I found it to be the perfect time to start this. We had talked about it, you know, for a decent amount of time, and we we're like, you know what? Everyone in the world wants disc golf content. Doesn't matter who you are, if you're putting out content right now, more more than likely people are listening to you, whether you see it or not. People are actually tuning into it. One of our videos on YouTube. This blew my mind, but in like the first week, it had over 9,000 views on it. And it was like, holy cow, we weren't expecting that at all. And so then you get the Showmez guys, um, Central Coast putting out videos now with the Goat Hill Championships, and then the rewatches that the Pro Tour has been doing. One of the best ones being Valerie Jenkins' 2016 run at Worlds, that big comeback victory she had. I watched it, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, the media in general has been huge in the growth. There's a rumor out there, and it's literally just been like major rumor explosion. Who knows where it came from? I know a few people that I've seen post about it, but something about CBS. I will just leave it at that. I've literally seen 
people referred to CBS as having something to do with disc golf. And here's the rumor in the next few months. I don't know if it happens, if it literally makes it onto a national network, like prime time, that might be too much. A Saturday morning, I don't care, but CBS, that would be very significant point in history, in my opinion. Um, it's been on ESPN, what, the Ocho or whatever. Like, well, Sports Center had just posted Philo's Albatross video. I looked at it today on Facebook. It has over 10 million Facebook views on it. That's insane. 10 million. Some of the comments aren't the greatest of, you know, disc golf, but 10, over 10 million people got to see that video, which I thought was incredible. They had wrote, you know, this dude deserves to be in the disc golf hall of fame. So for once they finally called it disc golf, which was pretty awesome. And uh, nice. yeah, over, over 10 million views just on one so, 45 second video. Okay. So people are now, this is the best part about doing a live show. We're fact checked immediately. There apparently and I'm fact, I haven't fact checked myself, but yeah. apparently CBS is no rumor. It's a fact I'm being told by multiple people. Uh, something about check Facebook, check Instagram. It's yeah. out there. See, so we are going to have to look it up. But that is obviously going to be extreme. If that's the case, that's excellent. Uh, good night dreams are coming our way. I mean, like, that's awesome. What I'll say is uh, not, not if we make it onto a major network. But, and whether that network is CBS or Netflix, whatever it is, um, we need to, as a community, support that network mm. and say thank you mm -hmm. and tell every one of our friends and all of their parents to do and it. all of their children and all of their cousins, tune in. Yeah. Because the way that CBS, the thing that CBS cares about, the thing that Netflix cares about, and all of these companies are outside TV, whatever it is, they all care about viewership mm -hmm. and they're anticipating 20,000 viewers, 50,000 viewers, yep. whatever it is. If we can blow that out of the water, they will say they, they will take notice because <laughs> these companies follow metrics. These are real companies and they follow metrics. And if the eyeballs are there, they will put the money where the mount where our mouths are and yeah. feed us, and we will they go. They will help us it. throw this sport up even faster. Right, and so I'm gonna check a little bit on that. Yeah, check that out. Uh, one of the, I just want to say there's three points here, or there's a couple points to the whole idea about like how is the sport growing and what's it going to take, or what are we going to have to give up? Can I just say this, and we'll be done in five minutes with this topic, and there's a whole bunch to talk about, but is money and everyone's going to laugh or comment and be like matt get over the money thing we talked about pay to play disc golf we talked about pay to watch disc golf and now we're just talking about bringing more money into the sport but i think it's what the next wave of growth is going to need because at this point we're just barely there and we have disc golf manufacturers doing maybe as much as they can or as much as they want to we have i think the disc golfer this is going to be my my uh, soapbox. I don't think the disc golfer, if they really want it to grow, is paying enough for disc golf. It's oh. it's only going to be for a little bit. It's bootstrapping our way in. All the grassroots disc golfers give to everything. You talked about signing up to the disc golf network and just staying subscribed through COVID. I did the same thing. I'm not going to pull out for two months and lose. And in fact, this is not a like a I don't want to say like awesome brag on myself, but I pay the full amount. I don't take the PDGA. I just said, let's go because 
I don't see my four extra dollars per month as hurting anybody, not even hurting me. Like I can go without an energy drink or whatever it is. Like, so give, give, give. I think if we had more money and that's going to lead us into realistically, um, cause we talked about a lot of this and I don't want to rehash it all out. I think that's going to bring us to our, our topic number two here. So sit tight. It's time for topic number two. Okay, so topic number two, which we just led right into. Mm-hmm. Steve, I think you're going to have a pretty good handle on this, or at least from your perspective, because you were just leading into it there. Sponsorships, outside sponsorships. You said they care about the metrics. So if they care about the metrics, it's because they're giving us something. And what are they giving us to this point in disc golf? Do we have outside sponsorships? I think we talked about a little bit earlier before the show. What do you call them? A A tier or A class or whatever? A list companies. Yeah. A list yep. companies. So do we have any of those in the sport? Have we had any of those in your recollection? So uh Again, in our pre in our pre talk, you had mentioned that uh, Ford sponsored something over at the Europeans on the Europe side. Yep. Um, I have not seen anything that makes me think that we have any A list companies that are genuinely interested in disc golf. GBO last year was it GBO last year? I thought I was seeing some um, Maine beer advertisement. Well, not Maine, not as in like the state of Maine. It was like I don't want to say it was like Miller Lite. It might have been. It was something. I feel like I was seeing I flag banners, like feather flags, like all over the course, but I can't remember that. If anyone remembers uh, live, go ahead and comment. But to your point, Arby's, okay? So people go, oh, Arby's, Arby's. But can we just say like that was like a franchise store, right? And that was even like they pulled out of it. Yeah. So there's a difference between like A-list franchises too, like the individual stores sponsoring yeah. something and like all of Arby's corporate. That would be something else. Um, yeah, we've had we've had Subway sponsor the MSDGC back in the mid 2000s. Yep, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> um, I, I had a and and the way that we're going to get that the A list companies and get legitimate sponsorship is the Pro Tour. That's that's and the why short is version. that? And why is that, Steve? The Pro Tour takes either ten to twelve premier events or. 20 to 24 top level events, if you include the Silver Series, mm-hmm. and they can advertise across all of them. And all of a sudden, when you aggregate all of those numbers, you have a number that matters. Um, you have a half million viewers, you have a million viewers over the course of the season, and you're hitting them multiple times. You're across the nation, so you're hitting, like, you can actually do, they can handouts. You, you could have, a company come and do handouts at all of these events and they have sales reps who do that and they can just travel with the tour or they can just pop in and out when the tours anywhere that it is. Yep. Um, and I'll, I'll share a little story that makes me think we're, we're getting closer, but we're not there yet. Um, in 2017, I had about a 45 minute phone call with somebody in marketing at Southwest who it felt like he was relatively high up. And about a minute into the conversation, I asked him, why are you talking to me? Because it, it was obvious we didn't have anything that would do them any good. Yep. And, uh, and he said, because you guys are growing and I want you to think of me when you're ready. Oh. And so, so we, had, we ended up having about a 45-minute conversation. And uh, I mapped out 
what I thought was a really good activation for them. I wanted on the longest hole of each course, we were going to put uh, yard markers, one, uh, foot markers, 100, 200, 300, 400, all the way out to maybe 800 feet. Yeah. And they were going to look like a runway. Okay. So it would have the Southwest logo on one side and it would have the 100 feet on the other side. And it, yep. would, it would just, the hole would look like a runway. And, uh, and then when the lead card came through for every, for every foot that the women threw and every foot that the men threw, they would donate X amount of dollars to their charity. And, um, and then we would do this throughout the season. We had a little ticker in the bottom right of the screen mm -hmm. so that when somebody's throw was going, it would just go and it didn't matter if it was accurate or not. It just had to be close. Yeah. People excited that number one, Southwest involved and number two, um, more money is being donated to this charity. It's a it's it's a feel good ticker more than more yeah. than an accurate ticker, but uh, that's the way we sold it. Like when Simon steps up to hole eleven, we know he's going to throw about six hundred and forty feet. Mm -hmm. Like that's just um, <laughs> just what and he does. So the ticker goes that. But anyway, uh, and we talked through it, and he said that's a fantastic activation. And I said to him, if I gave you this activation for free for the entire season. What would you say? And he didn't even pause. He said, no, it's it's not worth it. And and the reason is because he has to pay somebody in his office to manage that. Yeah. He has to pay somebody to go to the course and make sure that runway looks amazing. Like it has to be the best looking runway in the world every time. And while Seth and I do a great job setting up the course, no, that's not going to cut it. It potentially Southwest. won't they meet to their standards. Man. Exactly. Man. Like, they're going to make these standards. Everything look great every time. Yep. And so he it's easy, It's easier for them to hire someone to bring them out to the Pro Tour events. So I shouldn't say easier because obviously it wasn't, but it's better for them to hire someone from their inside their company, send them out to your events, and then they got to pay that person. They got to pay for that person's travel their hotel and everything like that just to set up a runway on potentially only one disc golf hole per tournament and say right. 10 to 12 events for right. that. I can see where they're talking about, okay, you're just not ready there yet, but where, I don't know if you remember this from your conversation, but I'm sure you asked, what does it look like when we are ready for that? So what he's, what I'll just go ahead and say, he estimated 60 to hundred thousand dollars, their cost, just to manage the partnership wow. and right. for a year so for a year and that's they're paying for the person internally yep. to to manage all of the little facets of the contract and then they're paying for people to go on site and set the thing up and make sure it's good and then double check what the person's managing it and then they all sign off and everything so, goes so is it so, safe to save steve that it's not the problem is not that they're not excited about it because you said that they're excited about the growth. It's not that we need to be like, yeah. hey, we need to introduce you to disc golf and get you excited. I mean, that might be true for some, but it sounds like to me, we need to have, and correct me if I'm wrong, we, we need to keep demonstrating more viewers. We need to keep demonstrating that. And then we need to be able to just make more money to hopefully even offset some of those costs of getting advertisers to say, okay, now it's worth it. Right. When when you go to and, and I'll just give all tournament directors a little little piece of advice. 
when you go to the local plumber and you say, hey, would you give us $30 and sponsor a T-sign? It Sure, maybe. I, I don't care if I get a customer. Um, that's $30. Who cares? It's when you go to and, and then you go to the convenience store, the convenience store doesn't even want to bother talking to you for $30. Right. So ask them for $250. Make it something so they're like, oh, okay, that's a real thing. Make it $1,000. When I asked, I, I told Southwest, I said, this is a $50,000 package. For me, I was just like, that'd be insane. For him, he was like, no, a quarter million dollars, maybe I'm interested. <laughs> So we need money, but right. I will be interested to see Steve. And now I'm sure when you hang up with us, you're going to go check it out too. I hope CBS. I don't know. Yeah, I want to. So I, I quickly, while I was on my phone just a little bit ago, I hope everyone doesn't think I'm rude for it. I did want to look, everyone's been commenting saying, oh my gosh, check out Facebook, Instagram. So I quickly, quickly went on Joe Miss Pro's page and I don't want to talk about it this week, only in the sense that I'm not knowledgeable enough about what's going on from a quick, brief, kind of like 10 second I read that there is no post round production. It is all going to be live with CBS network with, I'm assuming Joe Mez filming it. Don't hundred percent. know though. <laughs> We're not knowledgeable about it yet. Next Very week. Cool. That's going to be a fire topic. Very cool. So there, we could talk about this forever and we could, but I think people are probably just wetted their lips just enough to be able to be like, hey, I want to find out more about how to help, but I can say this, support everything disc golf. Support everything disc golf mm -hmm. the best that you can um, and work to make it look as professional as you can. Hey, Steve, I know you got to go. Wait, but I, I just want to, I want to follow that up. Yes. Because I remember you said earlier, um, like people need to pay more to grow the sport. And I understand conceptually what you're saying, but the easy way to pay is to turn on your computer and watch. Yes. Um, if you can get those numbers, watch Joez, watch Central Coast, watch GK Pro, watch Gatekeeper, watch everybody. Um, and then, and that's, as those numbers grow, people notice. And that's 100% why, if CBS is interested, um, that's, that's why they're interested. They've seen the growth, they see the numbers. We've got 10,000 concurrent viewers and, here we go. That's just like our podcast. 10,000 concurrent <laughs> viewers as we speak. No, we're, Minus we're, a lot. <laughs> we're currently at like just like 40 concurrent, which yeah. is pretty good for us. And we're Eventually we'll tap, with that. We'll, we'll tap thousand or so between each of our podcasts and all whatnot. But yeah. Steve, I know you got to go soon. If we play our game, judge that disc golfer, you're probably going to be five minutes late. Do you want to go 15 more minutes and play the game or do you got to go? Let's go 15 minutes. I'll, right. I'll knock this out of the park. All right. Cool. So Sounds we're going to, if we feel like we got to dial it down, kind of, kind of short, <laughs> then we will, but all right. So we'll explain the rules okay. to you, but first you're going to see a video, um, of the contestant and then we'll explain the rules. So here it comes. Judge that disc golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. All right. Hey, uh, this, my name is Matt. What's your name? I'm Tim Melly. All right, Tim. How long have you been playing disc golf for? Um, I think this is my fourth summer. I started summer going into eighth grade. Okay. Do you have a PDGA number? Yes. Okay. What is that? One two zero one four nine. I'm pretty sure. Okay. And what is your PDGA rating, if you don't mind me asking? Who? Um, I don't even remember. It's really low. Like, what what range are we talking? Like, 
mid 800s. I promise I'm better than that. I've only played a few rounds on it. But. Awesome. So have you played in any competitions? Yeah, a few of them. Okay. Uh, what's your best finish in any division? Um, I think I was fifth or sixth in MA in junior 15s at the Northeast Junior Disc Golf Championships. Awesome. All right, so you've been playing a little while here. How far can you throw a disc? Okay, Steve, so here's how the game works. It's a question like that. How far is he going to say he can throw a disc? We're not going to have him throw one. So really, it should be how far can you, uh, how far will you say? And we're going to make Nick go first. It's not Price is Right style. It's the closest in general to what he answers. So Nick, how far can he throw a disc or how far will he say? 300 feet. All right. Nick says 300. Nick, what's your average on this game? We played six weeks in a row. How many have you won? Like, I'm pretty sure I'm one for six. <laughs> okay. And that's like, maybe. All right, Steve. So what do you think he's going to say for how far can you throw a disc? What do you think he's going to answer? First of all, I got to say, I like Tim Melly a ton. Ooh. This guy is very, very fun to watch. Oh, boy. He seems very grounded. He seems like he doesn't he doesn't think too much of himself. He's not, you know, he's not, his, his poop stinks just like everybody else's. Um <laughs> But I have a feeling, look, and he's kind of wiry. He's, I think this guy can throw. He's commenting right he's now. Throwing. Apparently he's watching he commented. <laughs> well, I think that Tim Melly can throw that disc quite a distance. I'm going to give him 340. Uh, so Tim Tim had, a, before we started back up, Tim had comments. He says, dang, Nick, that hurts a little. <laughs> so Tim, I'm sorry. My guesses have been so bad in this game. <laughs> Where someone comes on and I think, hey, that person can probably throw 450 feet. This, and then they say 245. This is the first time that we've had a, one of the guest contestants or guest players come on to the show live. This is the first time. So this is excellent. Okay. So you said three. What did you say? 30 or 50? 340. I, I said 340. And I, I'll admit that I was going to say 400. Okay. But Nick went to 300. And I just have to be closer. So <laughs> yeah. I went to 340. It's true. It's the over under. So let's hear what Tim said. Here we go. I was going to say like 475. Uh, flat ground around 450 is the farthest I've thrown on flat ground. Tim, I'm going to take awesome. you up on that. I and want I to ask, see that. Just as a follow up here, because you said junior division, how old are you? I'm 16. Okay, you're 16. You can throw flat ground around 450 feet. How many discs? Okay, so I just want to follow up. That point goes to Steve. So, Steve, you By were the closest. Mile. It it was a good strategy. You just have to be <laughs> – just don't do like the 301, you know. <laughs> 340 is good. So one point to Steve. Here we go. I kind of missed the beginning of this question here. I said how far I think so – or let's see. Let's see what the question is. said how many. Okay, well, let's see. Here we go. Do you have in your bag? Ooh, I don't know. All right, you can count. Uh, I can count. Okay, so how many discs do you have in your bag? So you can kind of see, or you could see, I'll kind of put it back up. It's a little small there for the live viewers, but you can kind of see his bag. Steve, you're up first this time. How many discs is he going to say are in his bag? I got I to gotta get real close on there. It looks like he's got four or five putters. We'll put full screen um, up. There you which go. Which I would think would be enough putters um and i'm gonna guess 850 rated you can throw 450 and he's not yeah that i think you're better than 850 rated also tim um and i'm gonna go ahead and say that he's got uh 19 discs in there 
Okay, 19 discs it is. Go ahead, Nick. What do you think? 23. 20. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the under on 19 uh, or 21 would go to Steve. 22 would go to Nick. So let's see what happens here. Or the over 23. All right, here we go. Let's see who gets the points. Uh, right now I have 22. I normally have a couple less, but I got a couple new destroyers that I want to test out today. So. Okay, so that is incredible. That goes to Nick, right? You said 23, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that 22 goes to you. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That was very close. You can, guys were... Can we clarify, are those, are those two destroyers, two, he was just testing out new destroyers. I didn't <laughs> so think do we those count counted. those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Good point. Yeah, well, they're in his bag, so... All hold right. On, hold on one second. Yep. Tim, you had commented. You said, let's do it. Nick and I DM you. Shoot me a message on Facebook, Nicholas Carl, or Instagram, Disc Golf Nick Carl. We'll get off for a round this week. All right, so here we go. That point goes to Nick. We are at a dead heat. There's six questions, so there's four left. Here we go. Question number three. Okay, so 22 discs. All right, um, next question. Do you have any aces? Okay, we asked, do you have any aces? The question should more have been, how many aces have you thrown? Yeah. That's the assumption when this question was asked. But do you have any aces? He's going to give an answer. What do you think, Nick? So this is yes or no at this point. Well, you can say yes or no. If you say no, then there's no number. If you say yes, give us a number. Oh, okay. Yes with two. Okay. Nick says two. So, Steve, you can guess the same number um, at this point. Not for question six, you can't. But you well, could if you want to now. Yeah, or you could say one or three or whatever. So go ahead and give your answer, Steve. Am I correct in thinking that Tim started playing when he was eight, did he say? Ooh, three or four years. He said he was 16. No, it was about 12. Yeah, 12, 12 or 13. Oh, just three or four. Okay, I heard the number eight, but okay. Uh, so four years. Um, I believe Tim has four aces, but I'm going to go ahead and caveat that because I think some of those aces were on really short holes, and I wouldn't count those as aces myself, Tim. But I bet you do, and I bet you got four. All right, let's see what happens here. <laughs> it's tied up. <sighs> I do have one ace. Okay, you have one ace. Do you have... Okay, so he said... he. Oh, flip this screen around. He says he has one, so that goes to Nick. But I was there in conversation. This was actually this morning recorded, Steve. That's what Maple looked like this morning. Um, and he actually told me, I think it was him, about having a few, like black aces of sorts or something along those lines so no they didn't count <laughs> yeah. so you were actually kind of right on in a way all right so that was pretty good too it'd almost be like half a point there but he didn't we didn't put it on there so all right so another point to nick let's go ahead and pull this back up here and i missed part of the question again but let's listen in a favorite pro disc golfer whether it's fpo or mpo male or female do you have a favorite pro disc golfer um yeah, I guess. I mean, I have a lot of favorites, but... Okay, so you do, or you have a lot. You had to choose just one player. Who would it be? Okay, we asked him if he had to choose one of his favorites. He said he has a lot. There's a lot of pros out there, Steve. It's not like 20 years ago when you had the top four. <laughs> so um, go ahead. This is like free range here. I think it's actually Steve's yes, answer. Steve's up. All right, Steve. You're down one. Uh, he, he's playing at Maple Hill. There's a local pro that plays at Maple Hill a lot. There's another local pro that got engaged at Maple Hill, but I don't think that's good enough. I'm going with Simon Lazar. He took my answer because that's that my is, safe bet. That's the safe bet. That's, <laughs> that's always such, the safe yeah. bet. Uh, so he's got an end of a bag, throws destroyers, but putts with dynamic. I'm going to go Ricky. 
Okay. Ricky Wysocki. Ricky. Uh, let's listen in and hear what he says. Right now, I'd have to say Garrett Gerthy. I love watching him throw wicked oh. far. Okay. Great. Would you rap? Yeah. If you didn't catch the, new, point, yeah. the New England accent, he goes, I like watching him throw wicked far. <laughs> so Garrett Gerthy, that's a first for Garrett Gerthy yep. on our show. We've had quite yep. a few Simons. We haven't had some Pauls. We had Kevin Jones. Yep. All right. So uh, no point there. You're still only down by one. That was question four, right? This is mm -hmm. question five. Here we go. Question number five. Wait, well, yeah, are, go ahead, are we sure the bag, the, the number of discs in the bag, wasn't there some question on that one? Yeah, we could check right now if you want to count. <laughs> no, okay. All right, go ahead. Here we go. There. Get your second ace on a hole that plays over 400 feet or play around with Garrett Gerthy. Okay, so the question was, because we cut off the front a little bit there, would you rather get your second ace, because he already had one, get your second ace on a 400-foot hole or play around with Gary Gerthy, who he said would be his favorite pro at this point? So this goes to Nick. What is he going to say? That's a big ace. I, I'm going to have to go with around with Gary Gerthy, because that sounds like a blast. Okay, there's only one or the other here, Steve. So you're going with Nick, and you're going to stay. If, if, if it's a tie there and you get the same answer, you're still only down one. If you go opposite, it's wrong. You're down two, but if you're right and you go opposite, then you'll be tied and that'll be better. So what, whatever you want to do. How many more questions, How many more questions are There's there? There's only one more. One more after this. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to go with Nick because um, <laughs> I don't think Tim, uh, I don't think Tim's too worried about his second yeah. ace. I think... Uh, Heck, I'd rather play with Garrett Gerthy and ace a 400-foot hole, and I can't even throw 400 feet. <laughs> All right, let's see what he answered. Here we go. All right, sorry, I paused it. Here we go. I'd say play around with Garrett. That would be really yeah. fun. He seems like a cool guy. Now, if it was okay. like a 600-foot ace to win a tournament, that would be a different story. I'll have to rephrase yeah, the we'll question. Yeah, we'll have to make that a little harder. Make it crazy. Yeah. Make it crazy. Win a million dollars or play with Garrett Gerthy. <laughs> that's Which actually one? a good question. Tim, what do you think if you're still in the comments? That is a what good, do you want? That's a good question. A million dollars or play not, with let's your say, bro. Not a million. Let's say $1,000 cash tomorrow or play Ooh. around with Garrett Gerthy. Tim, if you're still in there, I want to see it. Interesting follow-up. So, how about, how about win a car? Okay. Win a car or play around with Garrett Gerthy. Okay, so those are going to – I'm going to have to I'd, rephrase I'd these. I'd love a new car. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, forget Paul and Simon. Yeah, I've played I, enough I've, with I've played enough with them. <laughs> um, Sorry, guys. Okay, so good strategy, Steve, because you're making it down to the last question, one down. So And you get to – and he gets to answer first. No, uh, Steve does. Yeah, that's what I mean. So Steve can guess the answer, and you can't guess it. No, I'm <laughs> All right, let's see. Here we go. Final question six. Awesome. He is a cool guy. Um, all right. And then let's ask as a follow-up here, what course do you usually play at Maple Hill? Uh, I like to play FPO Golds. That's my favorite course to play. Okay. Now, it doesn't have to be an FPO Golds hole or layout, but what would you say is your favorite hole at Maple Hill? Okay. Favorite hole. At Maple Hill, this is uh, there's a lot of options. You do not have to guess the color scheme, the flag yeah. scheme. You just have to get the number correctly um, or closest to. And it's not by proximity on the course. So if you say hole eight 
but it's hole 14 and Nick says 11, Nick's closer than you. It's not proximity. Like hole eight is close to, Never mind. You actually have to be close by number in order. So any, any number one through 18, you can guess Steve, you're up. What's Tim going to say is his favorite hole on the course. So I'm going to guess the hole. And then I'm going to guess the configuration for a bonus point. Ooh, for the win. Okay. <clears throat> if you do oh, that. that's right. That would be for the win. If I you do that, that, Steve, if yeah. you do that, yes. You I'll happily give that Wow. <laughs> so uh, it's hole number one, clearly. He can throw 450 feet, and it's a super fun shot. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say, he said the FPO gold course, which is the blue course on hole one, yep. or the diamond course. Uh, and that's the hole that is his favorite hole. And back when I could throw 400 feet, that was also my favorite hole. So Tim, great choice. <laughs> and I'm I'm so glad that it was the blue course that you liked the best because that's a really fun second shot. I wish your short game was better because you'd love that hole even more. <laughs> game see, over, Nick. He see, got now, it right. Now we'll say yeah. goodnight. No. <laughs> now that you know Steve has brought up Tim's short game, how it's kind of a mess right now. He's going with hole 14 golds because there's no better feeling at Maple Hill than parking hole 14 golds for the deuce. Okay, so he did say FPO gold. Now, just like you talked. Yeah, yeah, but we said any layout. You he, talked Hunter yeah. Thomas foundation no, out no. of it. I'm trying to do the same for you. Nope, nope. I'm <laughs> I'm whole 14 golds all the way. All right, so let's see. It depends who gets this right closest to. All right, so let's see what he answers. Here we go, Tim. Easily 12 golds. Oh, that's really fun. Okay, awesome. 12, 12, 12 goals. goals. <laughs> Come on. So Tim. as far as that goes, Nick, you have just gotten your what? Second win. And my Steve Dodge. second win in six weeks on my own show. Steve Dodge was beat with his own course. No <laughs> player at your course. We should give away like memberships or something. We'll pay for them. No, I'm kidding. We can't do that. We don't make <laughs> any money. Patreon yet. level 100. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's just wrap up we're just gonna um hear his outro here of what he says is interesting in his bag then we're closing the showdown so let's just see what he says about that and then i guess as a closing out question what do you think is the most unique thing in your disc golf bag most unique thing in my disc golf it can be bag? anything it doesn't even have to be unique but to you it might be the most unique mm -hmm. thing he's got a signed disc by a pro Good question let's see <laughs> Gotta think about it. I don't know. I really like throwing blue discs. I have a lot of Yo, pretty here. blue discs like that. Oh God, I don't have that one on this. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, slowly, every new disc I get lately, I'm trying to get it blue. So eventually I want an entirely blue bag. Awesome. So I don't Jason. know if that's super unique, but I don't know. That's cool. Thanks for sharing, Tim, and sure, have a good you. round. All right. Real quick, guys, we want to just say, Steve Dodge, thank you so much. You've been an incredible guest, an incredible game contestant. We know you got to go right now, so we want to make this short and brief. Please, everyone, go buy Birdie, the board yeah. game. It is so fun. It's an absolute blast. No, but on a serious note, Steve, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on, and we hope we can do this again soon. Yeah, Steve, you... So, uh, on a serious note, how many subscribers do you guys have right now? Uh, on YouTube, I think we have like, I, we had a few tonight subscribe, thanks, thanks to you. I think we have 400 and like, I don't know, I'm going to guess 18 on YouTube and we've got like... 427. Okay, 427 on YouTube. I don't know how many on iTunes right now, Facebook maybe 120. So we're doing okay, but what do you think? 
I think uh, when you guys get to 500, we would like to send a birdie game to one of your subscribers. Ooh. You heard it here first, folks. Another Nick and Matt show exclusive. 500 <laughs> subscribers, no. and then we're going to do a giveaway from That's... Steve Dodge himself. Birdie the board game. I think that's our first exclusive. We'll have to we've had, we've had a couple. The exclusive was, you know, Simon's buying a house oh, in yeah. Massachusetts. But this is we've the had first a couple like low key ones. But this is the first giveaway ever yes. on the Nick and Matt show. Absolutely. All right. We haven't bought any of our followers to date. Thank you for buying them for us, Steve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Good having you, Steve. Um, we'll check back with you another time. Good luck out there. Have fun with the family and thanks for coming in. See you at Maple Hill soon. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That was excellent. We we kind of moved through it. Steve had a little bit stuff he had to do. Obviously, spending time with family is really important. I know a few things about that. Nick, I have four kids. Yeah, I have no kids. <laughs> you have no kids that we know of. No kids. <laughs> um, and so some of those topics, did we miss anything? I think what's interesting, did you end up looking up... Um, people were saying Jomez posted yeah. about it. So I looked it up a little bit, the CBS news and actually Jeff Yetter had posted the Reddit link to it. Okay. Did you get into that? I did not get into that yet because it's on the okay. uh, chat that we have going on. <laughs> but anyways, there was, there's going to be no post round coverage, which is crazy because okay. next, hold on, here we go. Yeah. So, so I'm reading the graphic. It's a picture of Jonathan Gomez or a Jomez pro. Yeah. It looks like it's from their story. And this is on Reddit and it says disc golf is back. It says dynamic discs open coverage airs this summer on CBS sports network, um, with an official logo for CBS sports. Um, and you know what? I watched their final show with Brody and they said, we've got some really exciting things. We're not telling yeah. you about, but really excited. So like, this has got to be legit. Um, it seems to be dynamic disc open coverage airs this summer. So there's no exact date given here, but it's the dynamic disc open. Yeah. Uh, quick, Nick, grab a flight, get out there, play the event. Yeah, no kidding. Um, the preserve championship also, it says next day coverage, Begins but now that's four. not CBS. Okay. So let's be clear. It's has the CBS logo only for dynamic disc open. So dynamic discs, they somehow in partnership with Joe Miz, or maybe it's so we'll have to figure that out. Yeah. I guess only time will tell at this point. So it's I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, we've talked about this on the show and you know, we've talked about the post round coverage and everything like that. And at this point, potentially for the dynamic discs open, there's not going to be post-round coverage, but the CBS network is going to air it in July. Is that what it said? Did I have an exact date? No, it didn't have a date. Okay. But here's what's interesting. I'm reading, you know, the comments and we don't need to be a Reddit channel. It's just rereading yeah, <laughs> comments, right. but someone says CBS sports network isn't obscure and they're using disc golf terminology, C tier cable channel. The mass, the vast majority of plans don't include. So we're going to find out more about this, but Honestly, yes or no, what do you think? Is it going to be good regardless to be on a major network channel, whether it's their CBS Sports Network that some are saying is obscure? Or what do you think, Nick? I mean, is this a good opportunity regardless? I want to say it's a good opportunity, yes. I don't know. It's weird. You kind of talk about it. You talk about it like, you know, hey, one day there's going to be no post-round coverage. We've literally talked about that two or three weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, during our show tonight, we're reading that for this event, there's no post-round coverage. And at, you know, at a point, it kind of is like, 
well, dang, I was really looking forward to watching Jomez this weekend or something like that. But then you're excited for what the future holds in this new opportunity. So I'm excited. I'm nervous. And is that what it said, though? No post round. That's what I was getting off of. What jo- about like what Jomez's about like CCDG? Comments. I'm not sure. Um, And obviously we do have the Disc Golf Network, which they are going to have their rounds available post event. So let me read this for immediate release. This is on the dynamic disc Facebook page. Um, one of their notes that they wrote, uh, wrote, uh, wrote up, it says three minutes reading time, reading out loud might take a little longer, but let me just read it. Cause if you're not at your computer and you're driving, I can read it for you. <laughs> Here we go for immediate release on the 26th. Uh, why does it say June 26th? It's released early. Do you see that? Uh, it says right up here for immediate release June 26th so maybe they released this earlier than they were thinking but here we go the Disc Golf Pro Tour Dynamic Discs and Jomez Pro are pleased to announce a collaboration to create four the number four one hour telecast that's amazing first of all just let that sink in that's amazing (laughs) of the Dynamic Discs Open airing on CBS Sports Network this August with time and dates to be announced later in the summer it says August right okay the production of the hour-long telecast will be led and delivered by Jomez Pro, featuring post-production coverage of each of the three rounds of the tournament, as well as a skins match to be played on Monday after the tournament. Um, interesting. So then it goes on to talk a little bit about um, Dynamic Disc CEO Jeremy Rusco got the deal started. Um, so that's interesting. And then put in collaboration, obviously, with Jomez. says it's together they're working on this. Um, they worked, it seems to be Jomez and Dynamic Disc, Jeremy working in yep. collaboration to secure this deal, uh, CBS Sports Network. So very interesting. And then here's to your point, Nick, you're asking yep. and saying you're excited about watching. You see that? Central? Yeah, Central Coast will be filming Men's Chase Card. We'll work in association with the Jomez team on this project. The DGPT agreed to alter the existing next day post-production contracts of both teams to let the project move forward, we are thrilled to work with the True Disc Golf production team to deliver content to a national television network. So, so fans can expect do you see that? Jomez and CCDG. Central Coast is going to film Chase Card and work in association. So actually, so like under the Card. brand, yeah, it'll be like they're subcontracted. Yep. To give extra card coverage for the CBS broadcast, so it's going to even be more exciting. So while this project will limit the next day post-produced footage that is available to existing disc golf fans, the upside of putting disc golf in front of mainstream. Wow. Oh, America will bring long-term benefits to the sport we all love. So this is, this is, it's insane because we literally <laughs> predicted this, you know, three weeks ago. Who said it? Who were we on? It and was they said, Hunter Thomas. No, it was, uh, it was Johnny someone, V. It was Johnny V. And he said, post round production won't die. So... Johnny V, we're talking about live disc golf. I hope to see you in the next couple of seconds because when we talk about live disc golf, a wild Johnny appears. But no, honestly, reading through this a little bit, I am super excited. Anyone in the comments still watching right now, tell us what you think. We kind of want to pick the brains out of everyone watching. Guys on the podcast, comment on YouTube later. Yeah. Girls, girls on the podcast, comment on YouTube later. And We really want to know. Yeah, for sure. And it says that the next day coverage for Jomez and CCDG, so that'd be your first cards and your chase cards, will be available on YouTube in September. So this obviously is going to limit the next day footage, as you said, but it's going to be for a bigger project. Um, Men's shot by shot will be delayed 
the women's coverage is going to be next day. So now you're going to actually put more of a spotlight on the women's division during the actual event itself. Um, and that is going to be by GK Pro. So, and again, live coverage from the Disc Golf Network. That is, to me anyways, the most exciting. Yeah. I, I like watching live. Yeah. So. And this is, this is potentially also kind of what it sounds like is only for one event that CBS is going to be covering right now. So I know it's going to be hard for people not to see Jomez and Central Coast next day coverage, but give it one event. This could be the most incredible thing that happens in disc golf media. We're not sure yet, but wow. Yeah. I mean, holy cow, this is insane. We've already got comments coming in. Amazing opportunity for disc golf. It's a bummer for people like me who don't own cable. But I mean, how can you complain about this? I hear you. There's probably 10% of Americans in the world right now who actually still own cable. And what are those 10% doing at this point? Well, <laughs> and I'm not going to call somebody out because they don't have cable, but no, it would be, just no, I know, I know. But I'm saying like, and I'm going to actually encourage everybody, all 500 of our followers right now. Would you consider subscribing somewhere? Imagine if CBS saw a 5,000 person bump in their subscriptions online or just in general. I know it's going to, it's going to sound tough to do, but like I can upgrade my cable for a month for like 60 bucks. And you might say it's not worth it, mm -hmm. but you have to look at the big picture. Um, We're supporting disc golf, the sport that every single one of us have come to know and love. I spent $20 tonight on pizza and a chicken parm sandwich. No, $20. Sorry. I have cash. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like my point is that was yeah. one one evening yeah. of sustenance for my body when I could have four one hour segments on CBS Sports Network for yep. I'm thinking I could upgrade my cable for not that much. So like think about it. Um so and then finally, and we're getting ready to close out here, but this has been a shorter show for us in general, which yeah. tell us if you like that. Do you like the shorter segment? We didn't ramble on as long about each topic, which we could have had a lot more to say. And everyone knows that I could have. Yeah. I mean, we still have, honestly, a couple more things if we really wanted to go in and talk about it that we were planning on talking with Steve about, but obviously Steve had to leave a little bit early. If you guys want the show to go on, I think Matt and I would be happy to do so. I have an early morning morning of work tomorrow, but I'm in the mood to just keep talking disc golf. I'm amped up now. I'm really excited to see what's going on with all of this. Okay. So Steve talked on a lot of these topics, but here's one yep. for you. What do these other sports, there's these niche sports, if you will, that are probably in a very similar category to disc golf, okay? And and people might say, no, they're way larger, but that's because of the sponsorship, not because of the sport itself's history, per se. Um, for instance, like I like to think like bicycling. Mm -hmm. um, I like to think maybe some of these like X game sports, uh, skateboarding yeah. or like BMXing. Um, yeah, what I'll throw, about? I'll throw you one, Matt. Rock climbing. I know a ton of disc golfers who love rock climbing. When they go out on the road, they check out all different board, uh, bouldering places and everything like that. Matt and I have a close friend of ours who was on the USA bouldering and speed climbing team. He placed fourth at nationals, which at I think it was 18 and younger, maybe 21 and younger. It was the highest level competition that he could have competed at. He got fourth place. And his older brother is actually the Olympic, uh, the USA Olympic rock climbing coach so these guys have a ton of knowledge when it comes to the rock climbing world he is a boulder setter at the gym out here in massachusetts just want i called him up before this podcast and asked him hey what are some sponsorships that got into the sport of rock climbing one of their biggest ones is north face at a lot of their competitions north face provided them with prizes 
They had banners. They, you know, the gyms or wherever the, where the competition was going down, they did social media posts about them. So, I don't know, North Face, it's huge. Tons of people. I'm sure almost everyone in the world has some sort of North Face at some point in their life, and they've definitely heard of it. But to be clear, we asked him prior to the show today, we were talking, mm-hmm. and we and I said, what does North Face do for you? And I feel like right now, and at least in this is in the climbing sport world as well, unless you're at some major maybe world championship, they're giving prizes. And we're getting prizes donated because, again, the companies, as Steve said, don't want to waste their time and money. Yeah. So they say, here, here's for a instance, gift. Yeah. We'll, give you, we'll give you 10 cases of Red Bull. And it's like, that's great because it makes our event look like, you know, Red Bull sponsored us. But mm-hmm. like, is it allowing us to actually do anything? Maybe if we yeah. sold off each can of Red Bull <laughs> and put that towards the pro purse or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. The FBO and MPO. But it, advertising is a really tricky thing because we're kind of like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's a back and forth. It's like, we got to get more people to watch mm-hmm. to get more sp- sponsorship ad opportunities, but to get more people to watch, we need more money, yep. which means we need more ads or more sponsors to come in and they won't unless we have it. So it's like a, a certain degree of, exposure to them i mean i see it when i go out to you know certain big events that happen let's you know talk about mvp if coca-cola sponsored the mvp open one of the only drinks that should be sold at that event should be coca-cola which obviously in disc golf isn't the best drink in the world don't get me wrong i (laughs) know that but you know what they're doing at these events right like i these athletic events like on the Mm -hmm. side side sidelines of football or whatever or whatever it is they have water inside of whatever that can of energy drink oh, okay. is. Gotcha. They're not drinking the red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like LeBron James in the Sprite commercial. Yes. Probably wasn't drinking a Sprite. <laughs> but no. Um no exactly. On a serious note though, we gotta think of obviously this year is tough. Certain events aren't allowing spectators right now. Certain events don't even have PDGA sanctioning in certain areas at the moment. But you know, going on into next year, how do we get these big sponsorships in our program? Uh, another sponsorship that my buddy Zach was talking about was Yeti. Mm. So Yeti is obviously, it's the cooler company, right? They're the cooler, cooler company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can go with that. Uh, so they're the cooler company. They come out with mugs, coolers, uh, a ton of cool stuff for kind of the outdoorsy people. I think that would be an incredible sponsorship in disc golf. I mean, why not? Yeah. You know, that could be something if anyone has a connection to Yeti. But again, work. when you say sponsorship, and this is just for the sake no, of the show No, we're talking about here, legitimate, like... Why would they... I mean, maybe if they donated, like, 20 Yetis, because you might be able to sell those and get two grand. Mm-hmm. But I don't see them... You all, you have to have, like, an in, because they're not just going to give us money and say, oh, cool, yeah. you're going to let 300 people at your event see us. It's really... It's going to be, as someone said here in the chats, like, it's kind of a catch-22. Um, but I am interested. We don't have the inside scoop here. I mean, you could text Paul if you wanted to, but I wonder, cause he, he got like a Ford shirt when he was over at, what was it? The match play event? The, um, yeah, the European, uh, the president's cup. That yes. they do. Yeah. And they were all, we- all of the team USA was wearing Ford. Maybe everybody all was wearing USA Ford. and Europe. Yeah. Everyone that had the Jersey or the, what? excuse me, the polo. Does anybody know in our chats or that's listening later that wants to send us a message or an email? Um, what did they get in return for that? Or, or, and this is where the conversation needs to be, is this just a nurturing of the relationship with a, a, a big sponsor to say like, listen, in good, in good favor here, we're just going to give you, as Steve said, just do it for free for a whole yeah. year. And 
a shirt doesn't cost them anything besides, you know, getting it printed and made. And maybe even UC did that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like we bend over and bow to get a sponsorship, but maybe it's required to nurture that relationship. So that's an interesting topic that we're just following up here. We talked about it earlier. If you just jumped on now, you can go back and listen to it and see what Steve had to say yep. about it. Um, I think one thing we want to be careful about, Nick, is turning off sponsors. So like wearing sweatpants to a country club event will turn off sponsors. I'm just being straight up. I've been a huge advocate on dress to impress. I mean, why are we not following I, the rules of the PDGA? I think for bigger events should be a little bit more strict in the sense of attire. But I do think attire goes a long way. If everyone in our sport and the professional level of it is looking professional, like I'm not a fan of earbuds while people are playing. And I say that because it's nothing against it. Like right now, it's totally fine to do it. If someone is doing it, it does not bother me in the slightest. I just don't <laughs> No, think... that's not what you just said. No, no, no. I'm saying quote Nick on it, everybody. And, you know, I want, while while wait, I'm playing a tournament, while I I'm playing want a him tournament. To get roasted in the YouTube comments for once, not me. <laughs> while while I'm playing in a tournament, I don't care at all. <laughs> because most of the tournaments that I'm playing in are C tiers and B tiers right now. But if you are going to a pro tour event and you are a top player in the world that is getting video coverage on you and everything like that i don't think the earbuds or the earphones or whatever i don't think they look professional that's just my personal opinion i've heard multiple people agree with me on that i know it may help you out during the round and i hope but there's you, a better way to find that but what are we basing that off of is it golf again? Are we going back to golf? Because let me just That's say, the like, closest thing we can base our sport off of. We don't want to be exactly like golf. And I 100% get that. I, I really do. And I don't want our sport to be 100% like golf. But there are certain areas in golf that I think that we can really take from. I'm going to, I'm, I'm the older one as far as this co host and whatnot goes. But I think, and tell me if I'm totally wrong, like if I watch a snowboarding competition at a half pipe or yeah. terrain park, the dudes are like, all geared up in what appears to be very cool hip like snow gear it's not the snow gear i grew up with they've got on headphones that are way cooler than these and i'm sure they're given all those by their sponsors to like wear and look awesome but when they're snowboarding i think they look extremely hip cool trendy like i want to be like them and is that not is there not room for that and i'm not saying that's what these players are who, who have earbuds in they're actually trying to like block out stuff probably well, like someone in the comment just wrote, NBA players wear headphones in the layup lines. I get that, but that's in the layup lines. Yeah. Yes, they're on TV and people <laughs> are covering them, but in the actual game, they're not wearing Beats by Dre headphones. That's right. <laughs> they're just not. not. <laughs> During the game. <laughs> During the game, they are not wearing those. They're not wearing AirPods or anything like that. I just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously, if you're warming up for a tournament and you want to wear AirPods, by all means, you you do your thing. But in the tournament itself, I personally don't think it looks professional, and you can call me. <laughs> how much? How much do we have to pay Nick for that? If, if you're if you're listening, you don't get to see Nick wear his headphones. Yeah. But like, how much do we have to pay Nick to wear these headphones wear, during a yeah. round? <laughs> well, luckily, luckily these headphones are strictly for computers and stuff like that. They don't fit into my phone. Well, we could find an adapter. No, there. we're not going to that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so this is great. Someone right in, in marathons, it's against the rules to wear Interesting. them. Interesting. 99% of the people I know, whenever they are running, are wearing headphones. But that's when they're practicing running or just getting their general exercise in. But in their professional event, which in this case would be a marathon, 
they're not wearing headphones. Very interesting topic. We actually didn't have any plans to talk about that, but it kind of came down to the view of the sport. And I, I think you actually are taking a little bit more of a hot take than me, which is awesome. I feel like, how do I feel about headphones during a round? I personally think, I'll just say it. I've seen like Jordan Castro, right? Yeah. Wear headphones. And Jordan, shout out to you, man. I think you look pretty cool when you're doing it. I don't think it looks unprofessional. Now the question could be, should do people want it at a disc golf event? But as far as your look goes, it looks hip. Does it belong? I don't know. I'm not there yet. I I I can hear what you're saying. Yeah. And and I actually I don't know if I have a stance on this one. That's very rare for me. I think I would yeah, want to hear Usually you're completely against my ideas. <laughs> and that's true. like, no, I want everyone at the next Pro Tour event wearing headphones same size as Jordan Castro's. That's what I want. <laughs> $10 if Nick wears them. Another yeah. 10, another no. <laughs> We've up yeah. to $1,000, Nick. Yeah. So, if you're listening to our podcast, we appreciate you just as much as our live. In fact, I'm going to be honest. I'm excited about seeing like YouTube views and comments. Mm -hmm. But when I see a listen on iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify, wherever you're listening, it makes me excited because those are like, I'm not discarding all of our live people. Don't drop. I'll look at the views already dropping. No. But that is like genuine to me. Like, wow, they're actually taking time to listen. They're not even seeing us. They're driving. They're whatever they're doing. They're working. We really appreciate you. And I hope it put a smile on your face right now. We'd love to meet you someday. Um, Nick, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we close out? No, I think that pretty much does it. Uh, excuse me, does it, does it. I'm getting tired. I got to wake up doozy. at 3 a.m. tomorrow. So Really? Yeah. I to gotta... go blast? Uh, no, I gotta do some drilling tomorrow. So one of my other, one of the other parts of my job is we drill. I think tomorrow I'm gonna be doing six to eight footers. We drill eight feet down into the rocks so that in a couple of weeks, my team can go out and blast it. That's just part of what I do, and it sucks, but <laughs> it pays the bills. <laughs> nah. But wow. No, I think uh, be excited for next week, guys. We have another right now. It is set in stone. Obviously, things can change throughout the week, but we have another awesome uh, guest for next week. Another, you know, great topics that we're going to be going forward. So uh, check them out. And thank you, everyone, for liking, subscribing. Can, Please do that. Can I tease out? And I usually yeah. won't do this. No, I usually won't do this because we try to line things up and sometimes they fall through. But we're going to have Nick Heinold on. Not Nick week. Heinold. We're going to have <laughs> Nate Heinold. Definitely not Nick Heinold. I don't have to get up at three, but I'm already <laughs> yeah. getting... He's, so, got, he's got four kids. He's tired. Yes. Nate Heinold. Yes. And this weekend... Actually, I'm going away, Nick. It's my me and my wife's 12-year wedding. 12 years wedding anniversary. Wow. Yeah. So that's happening. But Nate Heinold um, is next week, right? Yeah. Yeah, July 2nd. And the following week, we're really excited about this. If you've listened to this far, you're a true follower. Anyways, yeah, no you kidding. should be. You Jeff, should be, I have a comment to your comment. So you give should, me a minute. You should be grateful we're giving you this exclusive. But we're actually going to have on Mr. Chuck Kennedy. If you don't know who he is, Google him. He created or invented the rating system at the PDJ and is very, very intelligent. Put together your questions for that. And Nick, what is your last word? And then we're going to sign out. So Jeff had, you know, just commented really quick. He's, he's one of our top fans. The dude's awesome, but he wrote you blow up stuff and that sucks. And I want to explain really quick why some days it does suck. Today was 92 <laughs> degrees out at the job site that I was working. When it's that hot, the dynamite that you are using, it sweats which means that the nitroglycerin kind of melts inside of itself. 
creates fumes. When you breathe in those fumes, when you touch the dynamite or anything, you get the most massive migraine in the world. And I'll tell you, I, right when I showed up at Matt's house, I was like, dude, I need a Mountain Dew or something. I need some caffeine because that's one of the only ways to get rid of it. So that's the only time that I actually ever feel like, man, this job is kind of annoying sometimes. But to be honest, if you just pop some ibuprofen, it usually goes away pretty quick. So <laughs> on that, dude, the job's awesome. I, I love it. And it's super fun. I'm 25 years old and I get to blow crap up for a living. So, <laughs> Anyways, everyone, thank you for tuning in tonight. Everyone, please like, subscribe, share it. We appreciate it a ton. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.